know the lyrics to the extended version of every 90s TV theme song? And you recite the entire script to Wayne's World on command, verbatim? Might you wax nostalgic about injuries sustained during backyard wrestling matches? Have you pontificated at length over what beer goes best with Mario Kart? Do you philosophically dwell for inappropriate lengths of time on phenomena like snowsuits, minor five chords, Rocky Four, baseball stats, wall-mounted pencil sharpeners, cinnamon toast crunch, Murray Wilson, seasons two through eight of The Simpsons, Bond villains, then friends, lovers, palindromes, have we got the show for you. It's Calling BS with Brandon and Scott, your esoteric clerics for the fleet of mouth and mind. Brutally honest, meticulously obsessive, and painstakingly pragmatic. Check us out and BS, I love you. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Protagonist Podcast, where each week we look at a great character in a great story. I'm Joe Dorowski. And I'm Todd Mack. And this week, we're discussing characters from the 1993 film Cool Runnings. And to help us with our discussion, we are joined by special guest Chris Maverick. Welcome, Mav. Hi. Hi. Thank you. Chris, uh, or Mav, I guess you, you said you prefer to be called. Uh, I met you at a academic conference for popular <laughs> culture. Yes. Um, but it turns out you also have had some other interesting roles in your life besides academic of popular culture. Yeah. Uh, you study popular culture. Uh, would you like to share anything with our listeners? Well, so so my theory on academia is um, I, I am a uh, great fan of participant observation. Um, so pretty much any time I become interested in anything, I decide, well, why don't I just go make a career out of that for a while and see how it goes. So, so um, well, by training, I've got a, I've got a, I had a bachelor's degree in creative writing and literary and cultural studies and an art minor. Um, when I was um, from Carnegie Mellon. And then I, while I was, then after that, I was also, I ended up being one class short of, of finishing my computer science minor, but I got a job. So I just left. Um, and so I, so I, um, I designed computer software from 1990, a long time ago, from, no, from, 19, <laughs> from 1998 um, or 1996 until, um, I decided to go back to grad school in 2011 or 12, something like that. Um, and then I went back to Carnegie Mellon and I got a master's in literary and cultural studies. And now I'm at Duquesne University, which is um, also, in, both of those are, those are in Pittsburgh. And I'm doing a PhD in English Lit, focusing on comic books and movies and TV, pop culture. And uh, so I'm English Lit, Women's and Gender Studies. Um, so I focus on sexuality and gender and also race and class depictions in comics and movies and cartoons and television shows and professional wrestling, which was another one of my loves. I, um, I, so I've worked as a professional photographer, as a professional wrestler and as a comic book writer. Um, and yes, I said professional wrestler. I never, and if you look around on the internet, you can find me. I never said I was a good professional wrestler. I said I was a professional wrestler. Uh, but I did that for, I think, seven years, six or seven years. Um, and I, and, and at PCA, in fact, before I started doing PCA for comics, I used to, um, go down there and do, uh, um, I'd speak on professional wrestling as performance art and as a cultural theorem. I'm actually going to, um, I'm going to SSS, the Southern Society for Sociology, Southern Social. I don't, I don't remember what order the S's are in, 
but it's <laughs> <laughs> Southern Sociological Society, Sociological Society of the South. I don't know. So it's like it's written on my whiteboard. I'm looking at it. And, and it's SSS, and I, I say the S is in a different order every time. But I'm going down there in April to speak on professional wrestling and Donald Trump and the influence they have had on each other. <laughs> That's awesome. I, I think that is one of the more eclectic resumes of any guest that we've had on. I, I, like, to, I like to try to be interesting. Yes. I was, and yeah, we, uh, as I said, we met at uh, the Pop Culture Association Conference in the comic book area. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, so so we definitely overlap in that area, uh, though I've never been a professional wrestler. What about you, Todd? <laughs> well, it was almost one year ago that I was in Mexico City and went to the Arena de Mexico and um, and watched Mexican pro wrestling. And it was one of the most glorious and insane and amazing things I have ever seen. It was so cool. Lucha, uh, Lucha Libre. Oh, oh my gosh. It was so great. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, it has a, a, a soft place in my heart for, <laughs> for pro wrestling after that. Well, thank you again for joining us, Mav. As I said, we're talking about the film Cool Runnings, which is a 1993 Disney film that was directed by John Turtletub and written by Lynn Seifert, Tommy Swerdlow, and Michael Goldberg. And it stars Leon Robinson as Doris Bannock, Doug E. Doug as Sanka Kofi, Raw D. Lewis as Junior Bevel, and Malik Yoba as Yul Brenner, but not that Yul Brenner, and John Candy as Irv Blitzer. What do I, I'm just curious, do you, when do you guys remember first encountering the film Cool Runnings? Who's going first? <laughs> Go ahead, Matt. Um, I saw it. I, I saw it in the theaters when it came out. Um, I, I am. I mean, as one might gather, given uh, where you just said we met, I am a pop culture junkie. Um, if you if you look in my closet in the other room, I have almost two thousand DVDs. Um, I have several hundred videotapes. Um, I've got. Over a hundred laser discs. Yes, I still have a laser disc player um, because because I am I am of the opinion that if a movie comes out, I should see it. That's <laughs> I, I, I am I am hypnotized by the moving pictures. Um, so so I also like sports. I like the Olympics. I was aware of the Jamaican bobsled team before the movie came out. And then, and much like everybody else who existed in 1988, when they announced they were going to have a bobsled team and and much like the reaction in the film that we'll discuss, there was a lot of what really there's no snow there. So, (laughs) so um, when they decided to make a movie about it, I was like, well, I have to go see this. Uh, Of course. So, um, so yeah, I went out and saw it in the theaters. This was before I started doing movie reviews on the internet. It was just, um, just for fun. Um, And it was, it's, it's, it's an experience. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. it has some charms to it yes <laughs> um yeah I, I actually remember seeing it in the theater as well i'm sure uh it would have been in like the dollar theater late in its run uh that that we got around to seeing it because i would have been 11 when this came out uh and uh but but i do have a memory of seeing it on the big screen what about you todd i remember just vaguely vaguely i think that we saw this uh, in the theater. Mostly I remember it from being in high school and it was sort of a touchstone for our cross country team. <laughs> and we just used to, there were like so many quotes in this movie um, that I can distinctly remember like our really good friends uh, saying just over and over again on long runs. And uh, that's, I think that's what I remember the most about it. Yep. I, I have a particular jumping in here. Yeah. I've got a particular memory. I don't know if you recall this, Joseph, 
in our family, I feel like we recorded the, there was like one of those limited Disney, Disney channel, channel previews. Yeah. Disney channel preview. And we like recorded the tape yeah. of cool runnings and watched it. And, and it would still have the, the, the number to call to subscribe. Yeah, it, it had channel. all like the Disney channel information <laughs> on the box. Um, and like the, like a few interrupted commercial sayings, like get Disney channel. Um, but was it but, the whole movie? I think so. Okay. Yeah. Um, that, and we had recorded it and I know we must've recorded it because we had to pause it at one point cause I was six years old. So this was, uh, you know, a few years after it come out, I was six years old and this was the first time I said a bad word. <laughs> you repeated some of the lines of dialogue. I, no, it was, uh, when they crashed, yeah. I said a bad word and Joseph stopped the movie and said, that was a bad word. <laughs> Don't tell you me have that. to, you have to learn about this. <laughs> yeah. Wait, oh, on the Disney channel version, cause there is, there is limited swearing in it much more than you'd have yeah. in a, in a normal Disney movie. So, um, is there swearing in the Disney channel version? I don't I have remember. No idea. Uh, I mean, we certainly haven't watched it. Like most of the story is just in that speech between Yule and uh, Junior. Mm-hmm. When, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. But I don't, I don't remember in that version if it yeah. had the swearing or not. I mean, it's it would be pretty easy for them to just drop the audio, yeah. <laughs> you know, for a second. But I remember, yeah, when they when they crashed, yeah, I was so so stunned that I let loose. <laughs> they just <laughs> let it loose. <laughs> I remember my mother. Um, this was not her favorite movie specifically because of the Yule Brenner to junior speech. And I remember her telling me, I don't like that because you know, that's some pretty strong language. And I was like, Oh, come on, mom. Like, it's not a big deal at all. And then today I was watching it with my five-year-old and my eight-year-old. And when he, when he did that, I look, I like paused it and I looked at both of them. And I said, that's a bad word. I don't ever want to hear you say that. And Alicia goes, what does it mean? And I said, it doesn't mean anything. And then she said, how can it possibly be bad if it doesn't mean anything? <laughs> I was like, um, okay. So you're saying this is a cool running to the parenting aid. Of- <laughs> yeah, really. Really. Oh, man. All right. Well, I've got a little trivia about this. And then, uh, Mav, you have a little trivia about the actual team, whereas I have some trivia about the film. Sure. Uh, the film is 75% positive on Rotten Tomatoes, which was higher than I expected, actually. Uh, really? I looked at it. it made $68 million at the U.S. box office and another $86 million at the foreign box office. So it made $154 million, which is considered very successful when it came out. Uh, and you remember how our discussion, Remember the Titans, ruined that film for some of our listeners because we touched on a lot of the the fudging of facts that happened to the transition of <laughs> your discussion of, of adapted from true stories. Yes. Um, well, I'll just say that regarding uh, Cool Runnings, uh, the director called uh, the film shamefully loose with the actual facts. <laughs> now, this is the same director that gave us National Treasure. It is. Is it not? Yes. Yes, it that is. I, uh, John I was not aware of that. That's kind of great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, how, how loose does he feel he was with those facts? <laughs> with well, National Treasures, uh, uh, that that one's a documentary, basically. <laughs> um, so, uh, some minor things were changed, such as none of the characters are playing um, the actual original team. Uh, they all have different names and different personalities than the original Jamaican bobsled team uh, from 1988. So, this film was made uh, five years after that run. Uh, it fudges a lot of details concerning how they qualified for the Olympics. Uh, they did have a U.S. coach, but he didn't have a scandal in his past, which they added for this movie. <laughs> um, the movie has three runs across three days. In reality, there are four runs across two days in the Olympics. Um, but this was one that was most interesting to me. Um, famously, the, the Jamaican bobsled team did crash on their last run 
And for the film, they said it was too dangerous for them to recreate a crash on a bobsled run um, for filming. So they used the actual footage from NBC of the team crashing, which is why the crash happens. Um, you, they cut to the, the bar in Jamaica where people are watching on TV and you see the footage on TV and it's grainier and everything. Uh-huh. That's because they're using the actual Olympic footage from 1988. You can find that on YouTube. Yes. Uh, and one of my favorite quotes, uh, maybe I, I, I don't think this will step on Mav's uh, real trivia too much, but it's from Nelson Chris Stokes, who was one of the Jamaican Bobsled uh, team members. And he said he felt a bump when they crashed and he didn't realize they had actually <laughs> tipped until, quote, uh, he started to smell his helmet made of fiberglass, friction burning on the ice. And this is the quote, which is something that stays with you for many years oh afterwards. <laughs> you smell your helmet friction burning across ice wow. at 80 miles an hour. Yeah, I think that'll uh, that'll stick with you. A few more bits of trivia about the movie. The actor who plays Junior was actually an intern who was helping with casting by reading lines uh, at actors. And they were, you know, to do the interactions. And then the casting director and producers started looking at him. <laughs> and asked I him like to- him. I think he does a good job in this movie. Yeah. Uh, and so this was his first role. He had went from intern to in front of the camera. Um, and uh, this was John Candy's. Uh, well, he was in production on two other films when uh, he died, but this was his last like fully completed and that he saw it all the way through editing and he saw the film released during his life. So this is one of his very last roles. And I just thought it was worth noting. You don't have to look very far to find um, internet love for cool runnings. Uh, for example, just today, the Hollywood reporter had an article called cool runnings was a gold medal hit 25 years ago. Um, but there are also some articles pushing back against that fond nostalgia. For example, on slate.com, there's an article with a very not hot take t- title. Uh, cool Runnings was not good and is definitely not a cult classic. <laughs> <laughs> so so there's some split internet opinion on this one. Uh, but Mav, you said you had some uh, some yeah. info about the 1988 Bob. Well, Sentine. you touched on some of them. I, I was going to po- I was going to point out the um, the burning helmet thing. Uh, it, yeah. Oh my goodness! When I read that yeah. quote, I was like, Oh my! Uh, well, so what? People, I guess people don't realize how. F- so again, I'm a big sports fan. I, I I watch the Olympics. I don't necessarily understand everything I watch, but I understand a lot of them because I've been watching them um, since I was a little kid with my mom. Uh, and I, uh, so I I I've seen bobsled many times. Bobsleds go really fast. They go really, really fast. So when they crashed, um, they slid upside down. Well, sort of sideways and upside down because they were sort of tumbling. If you watch the, if you watch the footage, it's uh, it's like six hundred meters. It's a long way to be on your head scraping against the ice. And they're yeah. and they're and they're going at like um, it's like one hundred and thirty kilometers an hour. I think it was like seventy five miles an yeah, hour. Yeah, somewhere near eighty miles yeah. an hour. That's yeah. what I, that's on a, your head. um yeah so uh things that i was gonna point out so the real team did did in fact start in 1988 um and what's interesting you you pointed out that you know it was only five years before this movie not only was it only five years before this movie most of the team was in the olympics in 92 so like these guys are just around like they they weren't you know like they just kind of completely they didn't fictionalize their lives they replaced them with new people um so yeah all the characters are fictional they weren't really olympic class sprinters um that was made up for the movie um most of them were track stars from like the jamaican air force team or something like that so they had yeah i think i saw they were yeah they had but they they had like a running background but um they they were nowhere near 
fast enough to I mean Jamaica Jamaica has a really good track team. So they were yeah. they were not good enough to make the Jamaican track team. Um nor- I mean I mean the current fastest man alive. Yes. <laughs> and and I think the last two as well. <laughs> they're 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 up they're up there. Um plus it's weird because if you if you actually think about the way the Olympics well now now they're staggered winter and summer Olympics are staggered but the entire premise of the movie which which is that they don't you know they join the the bobsled team because they they get disqualified and they don't make the summer Olympic team yeah the winter Olympics came first so they yeah it was out of yeah, order <laughs> that, that could never happen the the the, uh, the um the summer Olympic trials are like after the winter Olympics are over so it just couldn't couldn't have possibly happened. Um, they didn't, they, a big plot point, I guess we'll get into more of this when we go, when we talk about the movie, but a big plot point is that, that Jamaica didn't want to have a bobsled team and they had to like really convince them and they had to pay for it themselves. And it, yeah, that's all made up. Um, <laughs> uh, Jamaica decided, Jamaica decided, the country decided they wanted to do something in the winter Olympics and the, the push cart thing's true. So they were like, Hey, we've got these guys who know how to do this. Um, how, how much different from bobsledding can do? So they actually actively went out looking for track runners to be on their bobsled team. Like, that. <laughs> um, they weren't really ostracized, like, um, which, which is a big part of the movie. I mean, it, um, we, we can talk about the Slate article later, but I, I take issue with whether, you know, how bad it really is. Um, but a big part of the movie is the racial tensions. Yeah, everybody loved the Jamaican bobsled team. All the other bobsled, I mean, bobsledding is not really lighting the world on fire as a sport anywhere. So <laughs> they, so when they went there, the other teams were like, "Hey, Jamaica!" I, I mean, it's not like they were, it's not like they were worried about being beat or anything. So they were, so they were all happy to help. They trained with people. Um, they never had to buy a sled. I can't remember which country, and I didn't write it down. I just said another team, and I, so I should like look it up later. But um, they're. In in the movie, they buy a sled from from the U.S. Some team just gave them one. They were like, "No, no, save your money. Here, here's here's an extra sled." <laughs> so yeah. they, so that ne- that never happened. Um, um, they were never um, they were never even close to getting a gold medal. There, and you pointed out there are four runs in bobsled. It's not really three. Um, they there were there were uh, twenty six teams competing. And they came in in their first three runs, 24th, 25th, and 26th. So they were in last place by a lot. Um, and in order to in order to have gotten the bronze, they would have needed to get the fastest bobsled time ever by like 150 percent. Like they were they were they were, <laughs> they, were nowhere, they were nowhere near meddling. Um, and and this is the thing that like interests me the most. Um, the movie. So bobsledding, if you've never watched it, bobsledding, there's two bobsledding events. There's the four-man, which is what the movie's about, but there's also a two-man bobsled. And they did fine in that. They came in like – there were 41 teams. They came in 30th. I mean, they didn't win, but they but they actually competed in that. And two, two of the guys from the four-man team <laughs> were on the two-man team, and they finished the race. And, you know, there's nothing exciting. They didn't crash. You know, they just – did poorly, you know. So, but they've go, but they've <laughs> gone on, and they, they've gone on, and Jamaica's had a bobsled team. They've missed a couple of years where they just didn't qualify, but they've continued to try and field teams and and train ever since. Wow, yeah, it's uh, it's just such an interesting story, and so you understand why uh, screeners latched onto it. I did see that there, 
uh, I think it was TriStar bought a screenplay uh, that eventually ended up becoming Cool Runnings, but that one was a very dark, dramatic version <laughs> of the story. <laughs> um, and, and then it was uh, many decisions were made along the way to lighten it up and also just fictionalize a, a lot, like you said, every single character. <laughs> um, it's a, inspired by this true event, not trying to present in any way a real adaptation of what happened. I I feel like somehow the fact that they go for so much comedy almost in my mind, it, it gives them more of a pass than something like remember the Titans. Cause oh, remember yeah. the Titans is, is like very self-serious. Like it's very it earnest. This is, yeah. this is, this is the stuff guys watch this. And this one's like, well, obviously this didn't like, you know, you're watching this. And it's like, obviously this isn't how it happened, but boy, is it an enjoyable story. <laughs> it's a really fun version to have in a movie. Yeah. And, and, I don't think I would enjoy that serious gritty version of it. It's like, no, I, I enjoy this fun one. And I enjoy the fact that it's like, yeah, there was a Jamaican bobsled team. And this is probably isn't that similar to what it was, <laughs> but this is a really good version of it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think there was um, some listeners kind of said they, they had a little sense of betrayal when we went through everything that was uh, fictionalized. Remember the Titans? I doubt there'll be any sense of betrayal about cool runnings. <laughs> like we just go in kind of accepting this is just a fun, lighthearted film, not you know, dealing with really earnest issues the way Remember the Titans does. I think, well, so I, I am actually a big fan of Remember the Titans. And I, I, I have, I am of the opinion that a movie must be judged on its own merit. And yes, sometimes, they, sometimes they're fictionalized and, you know, so are all documentaries. There's, there's, so, uh-huh. so, I, so I'll, I'll give Remember the Titans a pass even. Um, and yes, I'm aware that, you know, He's got like two kids who just don't even exist in the movie, which is, but, but, but with cool runnings, I think they did want it. I don't know that it would have worked as a drama because the only thing that's interesting about it, when you really, really boil it down to like, to what it, what it fundamentally is, is it's a story of, you know, it's bad news bears, right? It's, it's the story of the underdog Mm -hmm. team triumphing. Um, But if they won, if, if they'd won in cool runnings, if they'd won the gold medal, people would be, would think this is the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. Like you can't win. They have to be like, <laughs> this is a really, really dangerous sport that these four guys learned how to do yesterday. <laughs> and they're, and yeah. it's like, let's go and do the, one of the most dangerous sports in the winter Olympics, probably luge and skeleton or worse. Um, but it's one of the most dangerous sports in the winter Olympics. People die. A guy died a couple of years ago. Um, doing bobsled it's horrible and they're like yeah let's just win it so they had to lose and if they'd done a drama where they lost oh that would be a downer like <laughs> that that wouldn't work <laughs> that wouldn't work at all so instead you go okay well we'll just we'll just make it the slapstick comedy which um i don't think i'd watched it um since i mean I, i'd seen it more than once so i saw it in the theater in 93 and i probably watched my videotape of it at some point in you know 96 or something but uh so it's been 20 years since i watched it and i think even in my head i was sort of affected by you know it's become a joke it's it, it, it it's it's a joke of a bad movie that people they've made fun of it on like family guy you know it's it, it's not you know it's just sort of understood that this is this at best a cult classic but i don't think it's that bad and i, I also looked up and saw it was 75 percent on rotten tomatoes because i was curious and i was just like oh well that but i mean i'm sure no one's tried to review it since 1993 but um <laughs> but like i but it's not it's very dated it is very much 
I was going to say it's a product of its time, but it's a product of the eighties. It's an eighties movie that happened to be made three years, you know, four years too late. Um, it, it really is. And, you know, and Jamaican culture tends to be a little behind American culture. So maybe that was okay, but it was an American, it's very much an American movie. It's very much an eighties movie and it feels like it. The humor feels like it. The, you know, even the cinematography just feels like it. There's a slow clap in it. You know, it, it's, it, yes. it's, it's as 80s as you get. So I don't know that it, I don't know that it works. And I think that, I, I think that one of the things, I think that if this movie had come out in 2018, one of the things that I want to talk about was, you know, a big point of it is racism. And I think it would play very, very poorly to a 2018 audience of, <laughs> you know, how, you know, of how the characters are depicted. But I think for what it was, for the time it was, it was enjoyable. And even, you know, watching it, I've, so I've watched it twice in the last two days, and even watching it now, I had fun. I was like, this is kind of great. Yeah. <laughs> Dumb fun. No, I agree. And I I think it's important to take it, um, not just for what it was made, but also what audience it was made for. Uh, you know, this was a, a family Disney movie Channel. targeting kids. Um, and like my, uh, my three-year-old came in and with some of the stuff that um, Sanka does, he was cracking up. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, with some of the pratfalls and um, like some of the stuff that that felt felt the most dated wasn't uh, the some of the plot choices. It was the way like um, they they did a sped up camera yeah. trick at one point for you know when he changes his clothes. You never <laughs> see that in any comedy. Way. And there were there were more montages than I remember. You don't see that many montages for comedy or for plot advancement uh, today. And so some of that was very much you know from when it was made and also what audience it was trying to reach. And you, I, I think you do have to take films on those terms i i I just want to throw out and i i mean it's jumping ahead because we haven't even gotten to the the (laughs) summary summary. but um i think the thing that like holds up as i think about this movie is like character interactions and relationships like i enjoy thinking about like these relationships and i know these are you know hyper real characters like obviously these aren't you know depictions of real people but it feels like a good hyper realism for these characters and their interactions and the way they behave in those montages and with each other and their attitudes with each other. Like, like when I think about, um, Yul Brenner <laughs> and junior having their conversation, I'm like, okay, but this is like actually like pretty good character work. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, like you said, it's, exaggerated. it's, it's selling it a little over the top, but it works. But, but like having these two people interact is like, I like it. Yeah. Well, uh, we're kind of jumping ahead. So let's get uh, to Todd's full summary. But before we do that, listeners, we want to thank each and every one of you for listening. And especially thank those of you who support us on Patreon. If you would like to support us financially, we invite you to go to patreon.com slash protagonist and support our show with at least a dollar a month. All supporters on Patreon at any level receive access to special quick casts, which are shorter episodes in which we break down newly released films, trailers, and we also talk about our fantasy box office standings. All patrons who support us with $5 per month or more get to choose a topic for us to discuss uh so uh now todd why don't we have you do the full uh plot summary of cool runnings okay this one's not too long yeah there's <laughs> some uh, some good montages in here that take up lots of time so uh so as we said this is jamaica it's 1987 and Doris uh um bannock is that his last yes. name okay uh so he's a runner he's a sprinter and he wants to go to the olympics and he really 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 wants to go to the olympics um and so uh, we see his friend Sanka, who is getting ready with some kids for this uh, push car race, kind of like a soapbox car race. Um, and he's really peppy, and he's good at uh, getting his 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 boys ready for this race. Um, 
and when when he gets uh when when they're getting ready to to push the cart he says feel the rhythm feel the rhyme get on up it's push cart time and then they uh they race really well uh but then sanka's push cart crashes and uh and Doris says sanka are you dead man uh to which sanka replies yeah man um and we'll see this repeated uh, a few different times in this film so uh Bannock tells his girlfriend how badly he wants to go to the Olympics. Nobody wants this more than than he does. And so we see him at the Olympic trials and it's time for the 100 meter uh race and um he he races against this very very intimidating bald man. Um and everything looks great. It looks like uh like Bannock's going to win and then a runner in uh, next to him trips and falls and 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 then uh subsequently trips uh Darice and the bald guy. And uh, he's uh, Darius is heartbroken uh, because his father was an Olympian and he wants to follow in his father's dreams. And uh, and it turns out Jamaica doesn't really compete in any other sports besides cycling and boxing. And he's not a boxer and he he's a runner. And so he's he's really sad. Uh, he's in the the office of like the head of the Olympic committee. And he looks up on the wall and he sees this photo of his father and he's standing next to this American guy. And uh, and the 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 committee chair says uh, to Darius that this this American guy. Um, was a bobsledder and had tried to get Darius's father to compete in the bobsled. Uh, and now he lives on the Island. He's a, he's a bookie. And so, um, so Darisa gets this idea in his head that he's going to be a bobsledder because that's his only chance to get to the Olympics. Um, so he goes to tell Sanka about his idea. Uh, he figures uh, a bobsled must just be like a, a push cart without any wheels. Um, and he wants Sanka to be the driver. Uh, Sanka initially refuses this call to adventure, but then he decides to, to go along with it because they're friends. Um, so together they go to find Irving Blitzer, who's this American, uh, who's now working as a two-bit bookie in a, at a pool hall. Um, he tries to run them off, but Darius won't quit. Uh, Blitzer says he wants nothing to do with bobsledding. Darius is uh, but t- uh, totally committed, and he begs Blitzer to coach him, uh, and then Blitzer finally accepts. So they have this meeting where a bunch of people show up to try out, but after they see a video of bobsled crashes, they all leave except for the intimidating bald guy, <laughs> whose name is Yul Brenner. And <laughs> I love it when he says, he says, what's your name? And he says, Yul Brenner. And then who who is it that mouths to Sanka the other one? talks to Irving. Somebody, uh, and he's like, Yul Brenner? <laughs> Um, but yeah, that's his name. Uh, and, uh, and then the, the other, per- the only other person there is the guy who tripped, uh, Yul Brenner and, uh, and Darice, whose name is Junior. Uh, Yul Brenner hates everyone, but he, he, he wants to be there because he wants to get off of the island. Um, so Blitzer introduces them to an old rusty bobsled on wheels. Um, and he tells them that Darice will be the driver because he's the most dedicated and Sanka is happy to give this up because he's not really dedicated to anything. Um, Junior is afraid to tell his very wealthy father that he's going to be a bobsledder. His father has a job lined up for him in Miami. Uh, and Junior just sort of uh, d- like passive, passively just says like, okay, whatever. But really, he's going to go um, be on the bobsled team. So we get this great training montage of the four practicing the push, uh, their push start. Uh, we get lots and lots of crashes in this, in this wheeled bobsled. Um, very old, very rickety. Um, and each time they crash, Darius asks Sanka, you dead man? And Sanka answers, yeah, man. So the head of the Olympic committee is worried about them becoming an embarrassment, so he won't give them any money. So then they go fundraising, but nobody will give them uh, any money. Everybody laughs uh, at Darius. Um, but then Yul Brenner makes a little bit of money arm wrestling, and Darius makes some money with a kissing booth, and altogether they get just a, just a few dollars, but then Junior shows up with a ton of cash because he sold his car, but he didn't tell his dad about it still. So they finally, uh, they, they're able to fly it to Canada. It's freezing. They get some big warm clothes. 
Um, in my wife's, <laughs> my wife's favorite scene, um, uh, is when Sanka puts on all, all of his clothes and then puts his suitcase on top of him because that's how she's from Mexico. She's from Northern Mexico. And that's how she, we live in Michigan now. Um, so she, she can totally relate, relate to this. That's as funny as the movie. <laughs> she, it was like, that's, uh, that's totally how I feel all the time. Um, so Blitzer goes to register for them, the, uh, for the bobsled. Um, and he's told that they're going to have a qualifying run. They have to make it in less than a minute and two seconds. Um, and then he runs into some of his old bobsledding buddies, but they don't seem to like him. It looks like there is history. We'll, we'll call it history. Um, so Blitzer meets one of them, uh, one of these old, old, old buddies at a restaurant and asks him for a sled that they can buy for cheap. Um, he takes the, the team to an ice rink to practice walking on the ice, and they're terrible, and they all fall down. It's very funny. Um, and then uh, Darius goes to watch the Swiss team race, and they're the best. And you know how you know they're the best? Because of the slow motion run down the track with awesome synthesizer music from the 80s and fog. That's how you know they're the best. So next day, Blitzer shows them uh, their new sled. It's a total piece of junk, but Doris thinks it's beautiful. Um, and when they go for their first run, the other bobsledders make fun of them, especially the East Germans and um, and and the the head of the East Germans. He's the bad guy. My kids were saying, "Who's the bad guy in this movie?" And then we found him. His name is Gruel, which is a great bad guy name. Uh, so Sanka screams during the entire run, and then they crash. And we get this familiar, Sanka, you dead man? And Sanka's now classic, yeah, man. So back at the hotel, Yul Brenner and Sanka argue. Brenner tells Sanka that he knows exactly where he is going in the world. And he shows them a picture of this giant house. He says, I'll tell you where I'm going in the world. I'm going right here. And then Sanka starts laughing uh, because he says, that's Buckingham Palace. And the only way you can get to live there is if you marry the queen. And Brenner is embarrassed because he didn't realize that this was Buckingham Palace. Um, but then Junior stands up for him. And he says, if he works hard, he can achieve anything. And that the world would be better off. And especially J Jamaica would be better off if there were more people like Yul Brenner in it. Uh, on the next uh, run, the team tries a push start, but they can't even get into their sled. Um, their mistake makes the papers, and Junior's dad finds out. He's really mad. Um, later, Doris talks to an American sledder who tells him that Blitzer had his gold medal stripped in 72 for cheating. Uh, back at the hotel, Junior gets a telegram from his father saying that he has to go home. Uh, the guys all go out for a night on the town. Junior's ready to go, uh, but that big jerk gruel from East Germany, he comes and taunts them and Junior backs down and then Brenner takes Junior in the bathroom and he gives him a big pep talk and then they go out and they get in a big fight. Um, and Darice is really mad at them and so is Blitzer and everybody, uh, he, they say that everybody hates them, nobody likes them um, and uh, he ch uh, Blitzer challenges the team to focus and work hard and next morning they all wake up early and we get another great training montage and they're getting better and better. <laughs> Which this is like 12 hours before they're running. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's like training <laughs> montage like number four. Just <laughs> Yes. <laughs> uh, so it's the night of their big qualifying race, and Blitzer shows them these new sweet uniforms. Um, and uh, it turns out Blitzer's old enemy is one of the judges, and he's lowered the qualifying time now to a minute flat. So he's taken two minutes off of the qualifying time. He really two wants seconds. two seconds. Two. Sorry, he takes two seconds off of the uh, off of the quali uh, qualifying time, and uh, he really wants to see them not make it, but they do. <laughs> Surprise of surprises, they qualify for the Olympics. Um, and so they paint their sled, and then they celebrate. Um, but th then they find out that they were disqualified because the committee changed the rules and then Blitzer goes and calls them on it. Um, he says, you're all horrible people and, uh, you should, you should be ashamed of yourselves. And so they let them back in, uh, back in Jamaica, everybody's watching the opening ceremonies on TV and it's super exciting time for everybody. Uh, and then we get them moving into the Olympic village and junior's father comes and demands that he go back with him. And then junior screws up his courage and he tells his father that he's staying right here next day, the Olympics start and the Jamaicans are in last place. 
um, because they're just too tense. And so Sanka tells Doris that he is, um, he says, You're, we're too focused on the Swiss. We're trying to be like the Swiss. Because when they, when they line up for their push start, they count eins, zwei, drei, like the, uh, like the Swiss. And he says, we can't do that. We have to be Jamaican. This is so, this is so remember <laughs> the Titans, by the way. So, so the next day they come driving out uh, in, in this truck and they're singing their song and they're dancing and they're loose um, and they race great and they move up into eighth place in the runnings. And um, now when they do their push start, instead of counting Einz Feitre, they, they, they do the fill the rhythm, fill the rhyme, get on up. It's, uh, it's bobsled time. So next night, uh, that night, Doris asks Bliss, Blitzer why he cheated. And he says he made, um, the, he had made winning his whole life. And he tells him, quote, Doris, a good medal is a wonderful thing, but if you aren't enough without it, you'll never be enough with it. And Doris asks him, how will I know if I'm enough? And Blitzer tells him, when you cross that finish line, you will know. So the team rides, uh, lines up to race, and um, and there's a chance for them to medal, and Sanka leads them in their pre-run cheer, feel the rhythm, feel the rhyme, get on up, it's bobsled time, and they're on pace to medal. In fact, they're going to get a gold medal because it's a perfect race, and this uh, Doris is driving like he's been driving for 10 years, And um, but then their sled has a bolt loose, and they crash really, 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 really hard. Um, and and we see this actual, you know, original footage of them crashing. And it's it's actually, um, <laughs> it's a big crash. Uh, and Sanka then, so then, uh, um, Sanka now asks Doris, Doris, you dead man? Uh, to which Doris answers, no man, I'm not dead. We have to finish the race. And then they stand up and they pick up their sled and they walk it across the finish line. And then Gruel and the East Germans start a slow clap for them. The Americans get in, and then the whole rest of the crowd, and, and we even get a slow clap from the old crotchety guy who tried to get him disqualified, and Junior looks over to the crowd, and he sees his father cheering him on, and they all embrace, and the movie's over. Yeah. <laughs> and, and thus ended the Cold War. <laughs> oh, like Rocky. <laughs> Rocky Four, yeah, Rocky Four had already ended the Cold War. Then Cold Runnings ended it again. <laughs> Thank you for that summary, Todd. Uh, You're welcome. The montage is definitely speed up summaries yeah, we have found. There are, I mean, right. there's legit like four of them. It, there's more training than a, than a Rocky movie in this, and, and, and they're all yeah. It's a lot of I running. Like it's it. a lot of you know, just I, I mean, in fact, it. Now that I think about it, I, I, I have to think back, but. It, the movie opens with with Doris just going for a run. Oh yeah, <laughs> running totally. Okay, I, I gotta say he's a sprinter, so it shows him like do like two wind sprints, and then he goes off for a long run. I just no, thought myself yeah. no sprinter yeah. and he goes off for a long <laughs> run. True. Yeah, they do like a dozen <laughs> wind sprints and call it good. <laughs> That's so yeah. true. Yeah, yeah he, he does like yeah he, he yeah he he does he does um oh yeah so this movie has for for anybody who hasn't seen it. It's a Disney movie. It's a family movie. There are lots of kids in it, none of whom seem to have names. They're just there so that you know that children exist. Um, so he's doing, he's sprinting <laughs> around with the kids, and then he he sprints past them, and then he basically runs across the Isle of Jamaica. <laughs> that's what it seems like. Yeah. That's the that's the stuff that which no sprinter <laughs> would ever do. Like I, I was a sprinter, and then I wasn't great at it. It was in high school, and then I switched cross country. And like my other sprinter friends were like, "Why would you do that?" You know. <laughs> yeah, 
I mean, I, that means yeah. four for four of us were distance runners yeah. in, in like junior high. <laughs> yeah, we were all jealous of the sprinters who looked like they right. they did five or six wind sprints and then sat around for the rest of track practice. I mean, I mean you you could not pay a sprinter in my junior high class to no, yeah. do an extra event. <laughs> yeah. And they, they were always like, we've got like four extra spots. You guys want to do 200? Like, I guess. I mean, I'm already I'm already doing a mile and an 800. Yeah. I guess I'll yeah, get well, I mean, there, yeah, there was no sprinter running a mile at my high school. You know, they might, you might be, oh, sure, if you need somebody to long jump, I can try that. That's, you know, that's like 100 feet. Sure, I can do that. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. So watching the movie again today and kind of like Mav, it had been a while since I had watched this movie. It kind of stood out to me that this is very different from the other Disney sports movies of the era. So this came out right between Mighty Ducks and Angels in the Outfield. And the same year Cool Runnings came out. Yeah. Angels in the Outfield yeah. to Disney? Yeah, it's 94. Wow. Yeah. Whoa. Uh, and also uh, a little bit after Cool Runnings came out in 93 is when Rudy came out. And those are all movies about like try hard enough and believe in yourself and maybe God hard enough and you'll win. <laughs> you're, you're going to succeed. Right. Uh, and that and like insane amounts of luck will bless the mighty ducks on their way. And literal, <laughs> literal angels will come and help, help a baseball team to win. And cool runnings. It's just failure after failure after failure for these guys. Mm-hmm. And that's the end of the movie. <laughs> like It ends, but it feels family. so good, but it's not, um, like, you know, you, you've all seen, I'm sure, like complaints about, oh, this generation, it's all about participation and you get a trophy or something like that. This, I don't think this is saying like show up and that's worth it. It's saying try your hardest and that's going to be worth worth it in and of itself. And it actually even warns against being too obsessed with only winning. And that's the only thing that's worthwhile is uh, is being in, in first place, which for a sports movie, that's a really unexpected message to have. Yeah. Well, it, it's not that like participation is sufficient. It's that effort is sufficient. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, with the the John Candy storyline, you find out like this obsession with winning is maybe going to damage you and end up with you being an overweight bookie where people look at you and say, "What happened to you?" <laughs> <laughs> he said that to himself. <laughs> I think that the I think the most interesting thing about this film is the relationship between Junior and um, Yul Brenner, and Junior and Junior and his dad, and so I'm I'm teaching this hero's journey class. Which, by the way, just side note. Uh, uh, one of a million side notes in this conversation. <laughs> um, I had my students make posters of the hero's journey. I didn't know what would what would come of this, but I like as our first assignment, we just finished reading um, the hero's thousand. Well, you had to read the entire book, and, uh, and I said, "I want you." To- wow, that's I had to read the whole entire awesome. book in Spanish. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, so we read the whole book, and then just finishing the book, I said, "I want you to make a poster of the hero's journey, and I want you to have quotes from the book." that illustrate each of the steps in the journey. And then I want you to have an illustration from fiction that shows me that you get how this fits into some story. And I had a, a one of my students, she hand drew on this poster sized thing. It's the Lord of the Rings and it's all hand drawn and it's Gandalf. Gandalf is on, so pictures on the left side, big Gandalf face and he's blowing the smoke out and the smoke turns into the hero's journey. It's amazing. Wow. It was. I was like, "Oh my gosh, this is one yeah. of the coolest things." I actually like magazine cut out. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what I mean. A lot of people did that, but I, I did not have was, that kind of energy as an undergrad. <laughs> yeah, she's. It was, it was an amazing thing, but um, but juniors, junior follows the hero's journey probably more closely than anybody here. And you have um, encounter with the father, and then uh, less like reconciliation with the father, and becoming master of both worlds. 
um, like this, you know, at the end when his dad opens up his shirt and he sees the thing, like this is, <laughs> it's really kind of Junior's story, even though it's supposed to be uh, Darius's. I feel like he has the the most um, like evolution as a character. And I like that interaction between him and Yule Brenner. So I think what I think, so I think I agree with that because Junior at least grows Whereas everyone else, and yeah. and by everyone else, I mean Sanka, Doris, Yule, and Irv, they basically. Um, so I so I was I was going through and thinking about it. Like, what are the themes of this movie? They all learn the same thing. Like they like they basically have the lesson of, oh, it's not whether you win or lose; it's how you play the game. That 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 is the that is the amount of character progression any of the other four characters that have dialogue essentially. <laughs> um, it's. Any of the sure. f- four main characters, that's all they learn. And then Junior has a, no, you don't have to live in your father. I mean, I guess Therese is sort of a, you don't have to live in your father's shadow, but he never really learns it. It kind of just goes away. Like he, he, you know, like his, they just forget yeah. that yeah. Therese's father was a sprinter. Um, but Junior really does have to learn. No, you, you know, you can be your own man. You have to stand up for yourself. You have to, you know, I, I guess Yule kind of learns that friends are important. <laughs> I, I yeah, <laughs> a little bit. I don't know when he learns it because he just sort of picks it up at some point. Like he, I, 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 one of my favorite lines from the movie is, "I will be on the team, but we are not teammates." And I was like, "I don't think you know what teammate means." <laughs> <laughs> I think the, the I think one of the I mean this is not like no. high drama, <laughs> um. But I really like the scene when um, when Yul Brenner gives his speech about, I know where I'm going, and then Sanka laughs at him, and then Junior stands up for him and says, hey, man, like, you go do that. And that's, like, that's how relationships work, where when, if, if, some, if you have two people that don't like each other, um, one of the ways to get them to like each other is for one of them to stand up for the other one and for them to realize, like, okay, I just saw this person that I hate and I thought hated me um, stand up for me in a way like, you know, save me from a really embarrassing situation. Um, and like, that's a, that's a legitimate, like the, that's a real authentic kind of relationship thing. And I like that. I like the way that their relationship develops, uh, and that they become friends. And, um, I mean the whole thing's, it it is what it is. It's not, you know, it's not Oscar worthy, but, (laughs) but I like it. I mean, it feels, it feels authentic to me and the sports stuff is like fine and fun. But um, but as far as like character development, that seems to be where the the richest part of the film is in my mind. That scene that you mentioned, that is the scene that I remembered from seeing it in the movie theater is when he crumples up the picture. And I remember Junior saying something and giving him the picture back of Buckingham, Buckingham House. And I also remember um, when Sanka yell, uh, laughed at him. I, I remember even as a kid thinking <laughs> too far, Sanka. <laughs> like like this this feels inappropriate right now whatever's going on right now (laughs) was wrong uh but but yeah i agree with that scene it uh it works um and there are so many ways it could have gone wrong when like you're gonna have a big character moment of someone saying i'm gonna live in buckingham palace and that's gonna be (laughs) one of the big (laughs) you know this this is gonna be his driving motivation like i I think there's a lot of ways that could have been handled that just didn't work in editing or performance or something but it definitely works again like you said not oscar you know worthy deep performance or anything like that but for a family film I, i think that scene resonated uh most for me as a kid 
Uh, just real quick, uh, as, as we think about these characters, it stood out to me again. This is the second time we've had John Candy uh, in a film that we've talked about. He also was in Brewster's Millions that we talked about. There's just something pleasant about him. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> him on screen. And uh, he, he played uh, both um, down on his luck, drunk bookie and uh, inspirational coach pretty well, I thought. <laughs> I, th- I thought he did too. I love when he smashes that radio. The Slate article talked about, uh, you know, oh, this is not a great movie. And OK, it's not a great movie. Todd said that it's 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 a fun movie. It's not good. I enjoy it. Um, but one of the, if you actually break it down, we talked about Junior and, and uh, at Junior's character progression. Uh, Irving has none. Irving, no, I do not want to co- No, I hate bobsledding now. I don't want to be anywhere near it. I don't want to be anywhere near it. And they co- and they say, please, please. And he says, no, please, please, no, please, please, no, please, please. All right. And then from then on, he's just the perfect coach. Like he's a horrible, horrible down on your luck guy. And then all of a sudden yeah. he is. So one of the issues, like I said, I don't know that it would play in 2018. He's very much a white savior character to these poor black guys. And there's... Yeah, they only get into the Olympics because he gives the inspirational speech to the committee. But how he got there from this guy who was so embarrassed by, you know, by having been out, you know, um, been been caught cheating and and, and he just never wanted anything anything to do with the sport again. And then Doris just says, hey, here's a picture of you when you were younger next to my dad. And he's like, yeah, okay, let's go have a bobsled team. Sure. (laughs) <laughs> and, and so he's so he's very like there's no character progression whatsoever which is weird but both of those characters the down and the luck guy and the inspirational coach guy are, are very good versions of those two characters i just don't know how he got from one to the other well he shaved that was the, the moment <laughs> He did shit. Yeah. Um, but and, and I, when, when uh, I saw the Slate article, I, I like I, I skimmed through it today just to see what their arguments against the film, and, and they did the white savior thing. But I did also think, like, okay, he gets saved instantly, but really they come and save him, yeah, uh, as yeah. well at the beginning. So I, I don't know that it's strictly the the it's not the most problematic white savior narrative that Hollywood has ever Absolutely produced. Not. Let's just and say I that. don't think I also don't think uh, so. You know, if you if you take it just at face value, I can see how. The characters, I mean, especially Sanka, but all of them are. Oh, by the way, we talked about Yul Brenner. His name is Sanka Coffee, which is just so. <laughs> but but, but um, there's there's definitely an aspect of slapstickiness to them where I where I can see how people might see it as sort of sort of a menstrual performance. They're you know they're they are very ridiculous. And that said, it's a movie. You said your three year old loved it. It's a movie for children. It's a slapsticky movie. It's just that the four main characters are black. I don't think they're making fun of them because they're black. I think it's, you know, like I'm a black guy and I'm not offended by it. I like that, you know, I I, I understand that this is not going to win an Oscar. um, But this is this is a, a movie that I enjoyed, you know, when I was 20 years old when it came out. And I <laughs> and I enjoy it now. It's it, It's silly, but I but it's good. And, well, yeah, I mean, good. It's good in like the Aristotelian sense, right? Like it, it, it yes. meets its function. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't try to do, right? It doesn't try to do more than what it is. And if you if you hold it up against, I mean, it's not Casablanca, right? Or, uh, or The Godfather. It's just cool runnings. But as a fun kind of family s- sports movie with sort of a you know 
inspirational whatever like it's yeah it's fun i mean yeah and there are films that try to fill that purpose that don't need it (laughs) you know that fall down and are not enjoyable to watch well and and todd you know you were reading off that that synopsis and i had a big smile on my face pretty much the whole time and when you got to like (laughs) the like the kind of deep philosophical part where john candy says like if you're not enough without the metal you'll never be enough with the metal and like it made me think i was like huh that's that's a good thing to say. <laughs> and so if, if you made me like smile, like grin ear to ear and maybe say, that's a good message that I need to be thinking about, you know, both in one movie. Like that's that's solid work. Yeah. And, and good job, guys, because there's a lot of movies that don't do either of those for a lot of people. Yeah, I just wanted uh, my my three year old. He just joined me at the computer. when I was watching it and um, I saw him getting really into when they were doing their first race down the actual track. Like I saw his eyes going wide. So I, I grabbed my phone and hit record. And this is what he said right after. This is when they did the uh, the qualifying run. Uh, hold on. Let me hold this up to the mic. <laughs> he just yelled they did it <laughs> he just got into it it was just just yeah he, he was just That's very awesome. into it right at that moment well, you, uh Tata, you said it was you know it does what it what it sets out to do it's you know and one of the goals is i see i'm trying to think all right one of my favorite sports movies i um i love the movie any given sunday if, if you've never seen it great movie but this is not a movie that children can understand as to, you know, the deep, complex Oliver Stone kind of things that he's trying to do in that film. This had to be enjoyable to a three-year-old. Yeah, and and, and my three-year-old who had never seen a bobsled race in his life, and he was asking, like, like what is that been thing? Olympic, yeah, but he hasn't oh, been yeah. Winter Olympics in his lifetime. In his lifetime, yeah. But he understood enough that he watched them do that, and he very excitedly yelled out, they did it. And for a film that's, yeah. you know, for a three-year-old to be able to process that much, I think the film's succeeding in conveying story gets, to that level. He gets level. the concept of racing. Yeah, I <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I'm thinking about your your comments, Mav, about, um, about Irv. And I wonder if, I mean, I, my read on that, I mean, <laughs> him, him saying, no, 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 I don't want to do this. I hate bobsledding. I mean, Derek's points at the, at the wall and he says, then why do you have a bobsledding yeah. poster on your wall? And then he's like, oh, I'm going to go take it and rip it down. Like that all just feels like posturing to me. I think yeah. he wants to do this. And I think that's why he, why his transition is so easy. In the end, it's like, please, 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 please. And then he says, yes, it's, 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 it's mirrored in Sanka saying, no, 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 no. And then, and then he's saying, um, you know, come on, really, please. And then he says, okay, fine. Like you, you, you can, can do a picture they, on a Wheaties box. <laughs> yeah. People do what they want to do. And I think, um, if he really, if he really didn't want to do it, um, then he, he wouldn't have done it. And the fact that he changes, that he turns so easily just is testament to me that, um, you know, it, in his heart, that's what he really wanted to do the whole time. So it doesn't feel weird. It didn't feel weird to me. Like, oh, this was a total 180 that came out of nowhere. It's like, no, it came out of nowhere because it didn't really come out of nowhere. That's, that's what he wanted to do. So, yeah, I, well, for me, it was, I, I liked it. Again, it's a very 80s movie, as I said. It's also very much a Disney movie. And, and, okay. <laughs> and, and, and I, and I like Disney movies, so I don't mean that in a bad way, but I was like, I was, I, I sat down and I was like, all right, what did I think the theme of this movie was? And then I realized it has all the themes. They, they just, everything. so I was like, so, the, the, so I wrote down, I said, like, okay, teamwork, racism, standing up for yourself, standing up for your friends, growing up and being a man. We're not so different after all, earning respect, 
it's not whether you win or lose. <laughs> you know, there, there's just so much of a, hey, like, <laughs> here are some messages we want you to learn, kids. And it's not preachy about it. Um, so the the big racism moment for me is um, the one that really sort of speaks to it is, and I, and I actually thought this was very well shot. The first time they get to the top of the um, of the Olympic uh, trial run, um, they walk up there and the Swiss are there. The U S is there. They pan through all the teams and everyone on top of the mountain is white. And then these four black guys come up with their, uh, this is before they paint the sled. It is a very horrible looking rickety old sled. That's clearly 700 years, years old. And then it's all rusted out and everybody looks, stops and just looks at them. And it's not just the sled. It's just the silent moment. There's no music. There's no jokes. It's just, Everyone sort of uncomfortable because, oh, no, the Jamaicans are here. And they overcome that. Yeah. I mean, like they don't they, they other than the John Candy speech, the Irving speech where he says he actually says, what is your problem with it? Is it just that they're black guys? And then the Olympic Committee is basically, like, oh, no, no, no. And that's why they let them back in. But uh, <laughs> but other than that, they never really address it as a racial issue. It's just sort of a, these guys don't belong here undercurrent. And. For a movie that a three-year-old needs to understand that it's okay to be different, I and we're not so different after all. I think that was a I think that was a really good way of doing it. Wow. Yeah. Um. So we we talked some about uh the John Candy character Irv, and we've talked about Junior and and Yul Brenna Brenner. Um. I think uh I'm I'm comfortable saying that uh what's it? Sanka is is the broadest of these guys. <laughs> like he is he is a certain comic relief, right? Yeah, he, he is pure comedy. Yeah, like he gets the voiceover dubbing, uh like whenever anything funny needs to be said, it's his voice crying out something funny. And he gets the the most prat falls and he gets the sped up camera work they, when, he, the, when, when they're he's like trying silly. to condition him in the ice cream truck. He, <laughs> he breaks off his dread. <laughs> um but, but he has he, a magic I, egg for some reason. Not, yes, he has a magic <laughs> egg. I will, but I kind of want to say, like, is there less character development for him or for the ostensible protagonist of the film who leads us all off, um, Darius? Right? Because uh, I think Yule and uh, Junior, we see tra- some transformation for with both of them. Uh, you know, Yule coming to actually like someone else, <laughs> like he he asks to kiss the lucky egg, doesn't he? Yes, and Junior. Uh, Junior standing, standing up, up to his father, father and then um Irv is going to kind of reclaim some of his past and, and own up and face in some ways the music for uh for his missteps and and get some redemption through coaching uh these these other guys but Sanka is just kind of Sanka the the whole way through but also Darice is just kind of Darice right yeah they learned that their friendship matters which they kind of knew and I guess kind of forgot for 5 minutes when uh Darice uh tried to become Swiss yeah <laughs> that was that was it <laughs> i guess they, i guess they also i mean like Darice's big character moment is when he really takes to heart what's really more of john candy's lesson um of irv's lesson which is um yeah when when will i know when when will i know if i if i have what it takes and you'll know when you cross the finish line it's sort of a you know you tried your best kid that's the that's the important thing here and and i guess he learns that lesson yeah but so so he does have a little more than sanka in terms of a character arc because uh his trying to be the swiss is uh flirting with that danger of being too obsessed with winning which is what uh we find out is kind of the demon that is chasing uh irv uh, you know, fr- from his past, from the, the Olympics when he had his gold medal stripped because he weighted down the sled at the front. 
One question that can sometimes help, I think, to see a character's progression is put the character from the beginning of the story into the situation at the end of the story and, and ask yourself if they would ask to act the same way. So like if Darius from the beginning of the story had crashed at the end of the story without having gone through all of the stuff that he's gone through, would he still get up and you know lift up the sled and walk across the finish line? Because that I, seems to be... I think he probably would. No, I actually just realized he wouldn't because he doesn't. So he, does, yeah, he, he, he literally has a race where he falls down with three of these same people. Yes. Or two, two of these same people. And, and they just stopped and they're devastated and they walk away. Yeah. So I, so I, I, I mean, okay. so I guess that's your, I mean, until you said it and asked that question that way, I never realized that clearly they're trying to do some yeah. deep cinematic moment there where, where they've got like a, you know, a parallel storyline <laughs> didn't actually. Yeah. Well, so yeah, that never clicked for me either. No. Well, and I, I think that, um, I've from like I said, Oscar <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it deserves it. Retroactive 1993 Oscar to cool runnings. Uh, I, because the, like I said, there, there's this theme of failure throughout the entire film, like over and over. We, we see that for the very, like it opens up with them failing at their, their Olympic trials. Um, and they feel like failures at that point. And then that does get, contrasted with them wrecking on their last run, but they don't feel like failures um, at that point. And again, for me, like for a Disney sports movie, most Disney sports movies are about the underdog becoming the champions. This is a sports movie about the underdog, not (laughs) becoming the champions, but we still all feel good about it. This is so interesting because I, I still in my mind, I'm like, I know I proposed that question <laughs> and it's interesting that the three of you would answer it differently than, I mean, I don't know. I, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think I mean, like it, what in, at the beginning of the movie, when Darius, I know, I know what you're saying. So he falls down, but then he goes immediately to and, the and guy then, and he says, what can I do to get back? You know, to get back. No, to he, he says you have to rerun the race. Yeah. That's the first thing he says. Like you have to redo it. Yeah. Cause it, it's not fair. Well, it's very much. Uh, so again, I, I guess, He's supposed to be the number one ranked runner in Jamaica. Everybody just assumes he's going. I mean, when Junior meets him, Junior's like, "Oh my God, it's you!" You know, I yeah. it's going to be an honor to run in the Olympics with you. So, Darius's mentality, I guess, his growth is his mentality at the beginning is, "No, no, no, the race didn't work right because I didn't get in." So clearly, that's a problem. Yeah, okay. We've got to redo it, and now he's sort of realize that there's more important things than just being the best. It's being the best to you or something. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I I think we're on the same page now. Yeah. Well, like his identity isn't broken because he didn't win at the end, which his identity was, he he could not connect reality with what his vision of himself in his head. Right. At at the beginning where I'm going to win this race. I'm going to be an Olympian. I'm going to be just like my father. Um, And at the end, when it happens, that doesn't break his sense of self. By by the way, just so for we talked about real life things in a real life event, um, you can't trip runners and other that would have they probably would have done something and had him run another heat <laughs> they would have rerun yeah. something yes right. Since three people went down for for one person's right. trip J- yes. junior would not have gotten to run again but yule and 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 Dries would have absolutely gotten to run again and by the way also jamaica competes in the four by 100 and um like three all of those guys would have been <laughs> well yeah only three people finish they, they only three people finish the race they absolutely would have given the fourth spot to their number one receipt they would have, they would have just said oh we need a fourth guy for this relay team we pick the guy who's the fastest runner on the island um, that, that's what they would have done. 
Uh, now, Mav, when you were looking up the real story of the uh, the Jamaican bobsled team, I saw something and I wasn't able to track down all the sequence of the story. But it sounded like they went there with four guys and one of them wasn't able to participate. So they got the, they got his brother, the brother from know, someone. I don't know how that happened. I, I did the same thing. Yes. One of the guys um, and and he one of the guys went there and there is a last minute replacement that is just one of the guy's brother. And he can t- and he does like the next three Olympics too. So like, <laughs> yeah, but he, he had never trained at the bob. Like, like it really was in Calgary. Someone joined the bobsled team, yeah. and this was wow. the first time, and became an Olympian. Yeah, and he's, and he's, <laughs> yeah, he's just, and he's just there, and he continued to work with the team. Uh, yeah, but I couldn't. I, could, I I poked around a little bit and could never find out exactly what had happened. Uh, yeah, I have I have no idea. His name's yeah, Chris Stokes. He is Dudley Stokes was the driver. The main was the Darius character, and for some reason, like one guy, I don't know if he left or got sick or whatever, but they just said, "Oh, well, we're short a guy. Oh, well, your brother's here. All right, <laughs> maybe, maybe he got maybe he you got are an Olympian." <laughs> Yes, from the country dancing, or maybe, yeah. or maybe his he maybe pulled the muscle while he was country dancing. I assume maybe his dad made him go home and go to Miami. I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. He discovered the winner doesn't get to move into Buckingham Palace, and it crushed him. <laughs> so many possibilities. <laughs> Oh yeah, that's awesome. Oh, my well, goodness. thank you, Matt, for uh, joining us to talk about cool runnings, and I, th- I think we found a little more depth than, well, at least than I was expecting <laughs> coming into this. I, when you asked me to do it, I was like, oh, this is going to be fun because I, uh, you know, I'll, I'll watch a bad movie because I, I mean, I know I liked it in 1993, but over 20 years, I've convinced myself, or well, 25 years, I've convinced myself, ah, it probably wasn't actually that good. It's it's better than I thought it would be. I get why it got, has a 75. I think it's unfair. I mean, it's a it's a ridiculous concept. So I understand why people sort of like, ha ha ha, Jamaican bobsled team. It's what they did to the real Jamaican bobsled, bobsled team. It almost sounds like a joke. But as a movie, you know, it's no worse than most 80s Disney live action films. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've seen I've seen the Apple Dumpling Gang. This is better than that, you know. <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't know if I'd go that far. I mean, my goodness, Apple Dumpling Gang, <laughs> bed knobs and brackets, they, you know. Yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> I think it's worth noting, kind of like we said, uh, it, it's trying to reach a target audience and tell a certain kind of story, and it does it in a different enough way and in an interesting enough way that I think it stands out. Um, which is one reason why it maybe still carries more cultural cachet uh, <laughs> than a lot of other live action Disney films from the late eighties and early nineties well, um, have managed to do. And I think uh, also, I mean, other than the later editions uh, of Rocky, but like the, your basic sports movie, your first, your, your first in a, in a series, at least is always an underdog story. Angels in the outfield, bad news bears, uh, major leagues. One of my favorites. It, it's a sort of, these guys don't deserve to be here, but they're going to knuckle down. The coach is going to give an inspirational speech. They're going to make it. And by the grace of God, they're just going to pull it out in the end and, and win the championship, you know, win the pennant or, or, or something. And this is great. Cause no, no, they just lose. They're a really bad team. You know? <laughs> 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 the, and, oh, by the way, in real life, again, the sled didn't break. They crashed because they just crashed. Cause they were bad. Yeah. They lost control right, because, on the because the guy learned how to drive, on ice like that week, you know, like it was, <laughs> bobsleds are really dangerous. And like, 
it's the Olympics. So they crashed at the last curve. They, it's amazing. They did as well as they did. Um, so I, I like sort of the realism of it. And I like that they made this message that no, but it's okay because they really did, you know, Bob Costas once said, you're not an Olympian when you're in your race, you're an Olympian when you carry your flag during the, you know, into the, into the opening ceremony. And that's what matters. You know, it's like, you're just here, you're doing your best. Um, you're, you know, you're trying to, you're trying to represent and just show, you know, some indomitable human spirit. And I think that's what this movie is about. Yeah, I agree. All right, Mav, uh, you're our first time guest. And yes. We always ask our first time guests, our dinner, uh, our dinner party question where, uh, this is a podcast about great characters and great stories. So if you could have any three to five ish great characters join you for a dinner party, just so you can sit back and enjoy the interactions of the conversation, who would you want to invite? Yeah, see, I, and I, and I knew this was coming. I've heard the show. I know this question's coming. <laughs> and so I, so I, so I wrote something. And the thing is, I'm, I'm horrible at this. Um, if you ask me what my favorite movie is and ask me five minutes later, I'm going to say a different thing. I, 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 I am that kind of person. Uh, again, I have 2,000 movies on my shelf in DVD form. I'm, I'm, Is one of them the Apple Dumpling Gang? I, I do not own the Apple Dumpling Gang. Conway, wow. Um, so, and, then, and I'm the same way with books and comics, and I, I change my mind a lot. So I don't even love this list that I wrote, like, two hours ago that I'm looking at right now. <laughs> but, but I'm going but I'm going to use it. And there, and 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 I just realized there are six people on it, and I was trying to figure out who to cross That's off, fine. and I was like, eh, I give up. You can give us all six. Yeah. Okay, so so um, my first, and and I think I actually like this one. I went with Jay Gatsby. Interesting. <laughs> And, and, and I think that's a, I think that's not an obvious choice. Now, I mean, obviously Jay Gatsby is going to throw a great party. That's his only purpose in the book. Yeah. What he does. That's, you you want to go to his dinner party. That right. is his <laughs> thing. <laughs> like, I don't want to throw, I'm not throwing a dinner party. I would like to go to the Jay Gatsby party. It looks like a good time. Um, I, I, I used to say I idolized Jay Gatsby. This is who I wanted to be when I grew up. I think I first read this when I was 12. Uh, read, read Jay Gatsby when I was like 12 or 13. It's like, this is who I want to be when they, when, when I grow up. And somebody said, <laughs> He dies. <laughs> he gets shot <laughs> violently, and I, and I was like, "Yeah, but he has a good life up until then. I'll take it." You know? <laughs> it's, like I, I like Jay Gatsby, and then, uh, um, and then I tried. Like I was like, "Well, what if I just pick some of the um, some of my favorite characters just from an eclectic mix of things that I like?" So, um, so I was thinking, "Well, let's see who," and, and I was like, "Well, why don't I pick?" like fictional characters that I've had a crush on. <laughs> and I was like, uh, now who's the, and, 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 you know, and, but also are interesting. I didn't want just like, Oh, this person's pretty. Cause they were played by Halle Berry. And, Cause that's easy. If, if you're pretty, if you're played by Halle Berry, if you're played by Scarlett Johansson or Rihanna, I probably like you. Yes. Rihanna is in a movie. She's in battleship. It's horrible, but she's, but she's great in it. No, she's not, <laughs> but she's fun to look at. So I didn't want to pick any of that. Anyway, like that, I was just thinking, well, who's, uh, who do I like when I think of, um, when I think of characters that, I, that from like classic film or literature who have do i really love and i and i was going through well, my first crush that i can probably remember is cleo the cat from from heathcliff but that's creepy and weird so i didn't want to go with that <laughs> um she's a female cartoon cat um and then i was like i realized 
um, breakfast at Tiffany's. I could do Holly Golightly. That's obvious. Everybody would say that. I'm sure. I'm sure someone's been on your show before and said Holly Golightly. It's just too easy. I don't know that anybody has. Really? Well, I'm not going to so. use it though because yeah, I, I, I thought it would be, I thought it would be too obvious. So I'm going with Ilsa Lund from Casablanca. Oh, okay. Who I just find fascinating. And by the way, it went back and forth as to whether or not to t- to pick Ilsa or um or her character from Notorious, whose name escapes me at the moment. And then I settled on Ilsa because I was like, no, there's war stories. That's just going to be fun to listen to. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so 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 it's absolutely with Ilsa Lund. Um, and then I was like, well, I need comic books because again, you know, my I'm, I'm writing a dissertation. I'm I'm like my my for a living. I I you know I read comic books right now which is the best job ever um so so this is why Agreed. this is yeah this is why there are <laughs> and this is why there are six because i couldn't decide between um between Ilyana rasputin who's magic in new units uh-huh. and 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 very much i i mean she's in actually i said in the new minutes she's in the x-men now in my mind, she is a character from the New Mutants because that's formative years for me. I, I liked that character. Yeah, that's when you yeah when you first meet the character, yes. they kind of get frozen yeah, in that frozen interaction. You know, um, she she is a fifteen year old girl w- who is really nine at heart and frozen in time and a complete badass after a life of trauma. And I am in love with her. Raised by demons. Raised by demons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She lived in limbo for like five years. Yeah, from like age nine to fourteen, and. In my head, I'm still 15 as well. If I'm if I'm crushing on Eliana, <laughs> I mean, it, it's just at the time those books were coming out, I was in that age range, and it, and in that and that really, you know, it's like I I identify with this character. Um, I, I liked her; she was my favorite of, of that group. Um, and then more recently, um, Bobby Morse Mockingbird, specifically from the Chelsea Kane run of the series that uh, of, of uh, the Mockingbird series that came out two years ago, so. And then my last two are just weird because I was like, I got to be different and weird. So I thought, um, uh, Kara Thrace Starbuck. And really, honestly, I, I'd pick anybody from Battlestar Galactica to hang out with. And I decided, I said Kara Thrace Starbuck, <laughs> but honestly, I, I mean, your show is protagonist. It's supposed to be one character and you guys cheated on your Battlestar Galactica episode and just did <laughs> the entire cast. So I'm like, <laughs> who could you choose from that? Like, who is the protagonist of Battlestar Galactica? And that's why, and that's why I said, because I was like, oh, I could pick Lee, I could pick Boomer. I'll, I'll just say Starbuck. It's fine. It doesn't matter. Yes, the show. <laughs> um, yeah, the show. And, <laughs> I would. I would actually. What if you threw? What if you had Jay Gatsby throw the party on, on the Galactica, the Battlestar Galactica? That'd be, yeah, that would be great. That would be great. <laughs> and then, and then I just wanted somebody that nobody would know, so I picked the character Madoka Ayakawa from Kimagoda Orange Road. It's a anime and manga, which I know you guys know very little about from your from an episode of Comics <laughs> Go. But, but Kimagoda Orange Road means whimsical Orange Road. It is. Um. It is a story of a. It's a when they start their 13, when they, when they, it ends with them turning 18 or 19 and going off to college. And it is the love triangle between, um, a 14 year old boy, a 14 year old girl and a 13 year old girl. Um, Madoka is the 14 year old girl and they're 19 when it ends. And it's just sort of a, uh, uh, it's a, you know, a very girly whimsical, you know, coming of age story of, of these three teenagers. Oh, and by the way, one of them has psychic powers, not her. Okay. Not Madoka, (laughs) Madoka Kiyosuke, the boy has psychic powers. Um, at least in the beginning he does, 
And then as the series goes on, they just start forgetting about like several episodes will go by where they where like nothing magical happens because they get so engaged in the story <laughs> of this uh, in this like sort of love story of uh, of and coming of age story and learning to deal with parents and learning to deal growing up. And then every once in a while, it's like, oh, yeah, I can levitate things with my brain. Don't worry about it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so but mostly I picked that because I wanted to mention the show because. I'm, I'm cool. sure no, I'm yeah. sure like, like you're going to get a comment from like one guy who's like, I've read that, you know, and, and everyone else is going to be like, <laughs> we have no idea what he's talking about right now. <laughs> about once a year we do an anime and a manga. And those tend to be my first exposures to those anime <laughs> and mangas because my exposures have been fairly limited. This is from, this is from 20 or 30 years ago. So, <laughs> so it's not even around okay. right now. It's just, but it's one of my favorites. All right. Well, thank you for joining us, Mav. Do you have any uh, anything you want to promote or any social media you'd like our listeners to follow yeah, you or anything can follow like that? Me all over the place. Um, so uh, you can follow me on Twitter um, when I remember to post there, um, which, is, <laughs> which I'm I'm horrible horrible about. I'm better at posting to Facebook because, um, as I think you might have mentioned briefly, um, I, I, I write movie reviews a lot. I do a lot of reviewing of I. I I do a lot of my scholarship, which I try to be fun with. One of my big things is if I'm going to study pop culture, then I don't want to just talk to other academics. Anybody should be able to read it. So I write, um, I have a blog at chrismaverick.com, which is my name. Um, and, <laughs> and I write movie reviews there. Sometimes I'll talk about, um, I'll, I'll talk about politics. I'll talk about things in culture. Um, the movie reviews seem to be really popular. Every once in a while, I'll post some of my photography or um, my comic book artwork. I also write a comic strip I've been doing for years called um, Cosmic Hellcats, which is www.cosmichellcats.com. Um, and we try to do that three times a week, me and a friend of mine. And I had a podcast for uh, for a year that was about photography, got out of the game, and I'm supposed to be starting one right now. So maybe if you're lucky by the time this episode goes up, and if not, probably soon after that, there'll be a podcast at um, Vox Popcast, P-O-P-C-A-S-T. T Vox like Vox Populi and it's going to be called Vox Populorum and it's a similar but different show from this and Joe's heard me talk about it before and I've been putting that together and uh, a friend of mine and I should be starting that in the next week or two all right well that is you're a busy man math <laughs> uh, yeah, oh yeah and I'm also trying to like write a dissertation and teaching yeah. and you know <laughs> someone give me a job you know that kind of thing yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's how academia works but in the meantime I'm trying to enjoy myself on you know, doing I don't fun know, things with comics. I don't know which demon you made a deal with to get 34-hour days, but yeah, really. <laughs> I tip my hat to you. I, I don't <laughs> think I able to do all that. I don't sleep. I, sl- I sleep about four hours a night. Oh, well, that, that's actually that's actually I go, to, I go to bed around three or four in the morning. Um, I wake up. On a good night, I might wake up. At, uh, I might get five hours. I might go to sleep at four, wake up at nine. So I, I really don't sleep. Okay. Well, I guess that would make it possible to do a little more. That's right. <laughs> In the day. Just give up sleep. You get you get lots of time. You know, it's like, hey, you know, why don't I draw a comic strip and do a and do a podcast? Because I'm up at three in the morning. So yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you again, Mav. I think that's gonna wrap up this episode. Thank you, listeners, for joining us for, for show having notes. me. 
Oh, huh. you, yes, you're you're very welcome here. Uh, for show notes and links to all the other great Dueling Genre shows, you can go to DuelingGenre.com and please subscribe to the Protagonist Podcast in your podcast app of choice. And please leave us a review. That really helps us out. We would like to thank Nick English, who designed our logo, and Scott Tofty, who composed our theme music. If you enjoyed this episode, you might want to go back and check out some of the earlier episodes when we've talked about some sports movies. We've talked about Rudy and Remember the Titans and... Uh, Hoosiers, I believe, are the sports movies that we've covered so far. Uh, you can suggest stories or characters for us to discuss or give us any comments or corrections by emailing feedback at protagonistpodcast.com. We're also on Twitter. You can follow Protagonist Pod, Todd K. Mack, Jay Dorowski. Our producer, Andrew, is uh, at Disminute. Mav, what was your uh, Twitter handle? Chris Mavericks. Um, all what, C-H-R-I-S-M-A-V-E-R-I-C-K. It's also my Instagram, my Facebook, my uh, my website. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a conveniently cool sounding name that like never is taken. So that's great. Oh, that, that does line up very nicely for you. Uh, you can also go to our Facebook fan page, which is facebook.com slash protagonist podcast. And we have good conversations there with our listeners and invite you to participate. If you would like to support our show financially, you can just buy a topic for us to discuss or show your appreciation with a monetary donation by going to patreon.com slash protagonist. Thank you again for listening. And we'll be back next week to discuss another great character in a great story. So long. So long. Bye. We're supposed to be getting like the storm of the storm of the year tonight. I when I was at in Michigan, Todd, there were at least two other like bat down the hatches, the raids on the grocery stores because the storm of the century was coming through, and neither of them resulted in anything worthwhile. <laughs> they canceled school already today. Yeah. Like they just it's canceled so school for tomorrow. Yeah, they did that when I was there, and we got like one inch in East Lansing. Well, we'll see what we'll see what happens. I'm convinced <laughs> that Michiganders are wimps. <laughs> <laughs> that's going right into the <laughs> I will like, say when- oh no we had two inches of snow last night so we these are your end of the episode this is crazy <laughs>